Well, good morning once again, guys. Uh, I just want to say I'm glad to be here filling in for uh, Pastor Mike, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and sit down here. Um, what a blessing it is. Some big shoes to fill this morning, so... Um, no, we, we miss Mike and Kelly. We're glad they get to, celebrate, they get to celebrate their anniversary and, and spend some much-needed time together, I'm sure. So I think they deserve it. So. Um, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4 today. So I'm going to turn there myself. 2 Timothy 4. All the T's are together, by the way. You probably I didn't have to tell you guys that. You've got uh, Thessalonians, 1st and 2 Timothy, Titus. But uh, we'll go... 2 Timothy 4. And let's see, figure out the stand here. I may or may not knock the stand over. Um, let's pray again <laughs> before we get started. Father God, thank you so much for this time. Uh, we just pray your, your blessing on the message here, Lord. And uh, we pray it's, it's not me speaking, Lord. We pray it's you speaking. And that, uh, that everyone here would hear you, and that you would be glorified, and that we would learn from you, that we would, as the text says, that we're getting ready to jump into, we'd be encouraged, we'd be exhorted, we'd be convicted, if we need to be convicted, or just convinced even, Lord, of something that we're <laughs> needing to be convinced of, Lord. Thank you for your truth, thank you for your word, Lord, in a uh, ever-growing darker society, Lord. It shines as a bright light, God, uh, like nothing else, like a diamond on a, a black background. Lord, your word shines above all else. And Lord, help us to, uh, to learn a little bit more about you this morning, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so 2 Timothy 4. Um, it's, uh, it's really the last words of Paul the Apostle here. And... Uh, Paul, this, this great man of faith, he, he's done a lot of things, and uh, we could go through his resume, we might after a while if there's time, but yeah, he's done a lot of things, and this is his last uh, recorded writing we have, and he writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, and so uh, I think of a, a great man on their deathbed, essentially Tim, uh, Timothy, uh, Paul's on his deathbed here, he's in uh, the Mamertine prison, uh, in Rome, this Roman prison. He's been in prison several times before, but this is a little bit different, and he knows, just like he knew what he was getting into when, when God knocked him off his high horse on the road to Damascus, he knew uh, at that time that he was going to suffer for the Lord's sake, and yet 30 years later, he's not, he, he didn't deny the call then, and he's not denying uh, the call now in prison. Uh, they're cold and, and, and uh, no doubt hungry, and uh, he's, he's still here, uh, for the Lord, he's not whining and wimping out like so many of us would. He's he's there and he's still uh, uh, going strong at the end. And so he's on his deathbed. Essentially, we we think a great man and and how when they're dying, how how much their words mean. And uh, he his words just ring out here. And he's he's writing to Timothy. Uh, these last things. He's so concerned about the churches, even in his predicament, that. Uh, he wants, to, he wants to make sure the churches go on without him. And he, know they, he knows they will, but he wants to do everything he can because the Lord, is, the Lord Jesus is the Lord of the church, and he's going to make sure it's going. But Paul wants to, uh, wants to charge Timothy with some stuff, and so with some last-minute instructions, um, he's, uh, we'll start in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, 
I charge you therefore, and we got to stop real quick because of the old saying, I know you've heard it from Pastor Mike, if we see the word therefore in scripture, we need to go back to what that's there for. We need to find out why, why does he say therefore. And so uh, the previous chapter, he talks about uh, just perilous times and perilous men. He talks about in the last days, lover, uh, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. He goes through this whole list of things that these, these guys are going to, people are going uh, to turn away from God and turn to, to, to horrible things. It's going to be a great apostasy, and, and we see that today. But he, uh, he says, in light of all these things, men will be, uh, evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and be deceived. Uh, in light of all these things, he says, uh, I charge you, you've got a jar, uh, job to do here, Timothy. He says, before, and that charge, it's, it's, it's just that, it's a charge. It's like a strong encouragement, very strong, really a command, I should say, a strong command from Paul and uh, by the way, he states it in another place that he, he is Timothy is his son, a son in the faith, not by blood but by spirit, and that he uh, he's discipled Timothy. They've been there on missionary journeys together, and uh, he, he has the right to say that and to, be, to speak into Timothy's life. And so he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, lo- who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And so... He brings in, he, he, he reminds Timothy of the fact that the Lord is, is present. You know, we're not, we don't see him, but we see what he, we see the results of his power and his majesty and, and that he's, he's here and he's, <laughs> he's watching you, but not in a, in a, in a bad sense, uh, in a disciplinary sense necessarily, but that he's, he's, he's there for you. He's, and in, you know, as God is my witness, I guess you could kind of say too, uh, as my testimony for the Lord that uh, there's a, God is there, and so uh, kind of bringing in God, if that makes sense. It's hard to explain for me. Uh, you guys may understand it, but he, he brings in this, this picture of uh, really God being there and that fear of God that we're accountable to the Lord, and, and he is our authority. All those things, it's very important. And he does this uh, in other uh, letters as well, uh, this kind of language. And so it's God who's going to judge the living and the dead that is appearing in his kingdom. So he's coming back, and, and, and so while there's time, I charge you, before God to uh, uh, do the work of God. And so he says in verse 2, he tells Timothy, he says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So immediately when we look at this, we see it says, Preach the word. Well, what word? You guys might all, you know, there might be somebody new here. It might be somebody who's not a Christian or is a Christian who's never read the Bible. What word are we talking about? We're talking about the all of Scripture, and, and really the Old Testament at this time, Paul was, and actually Scripture was being written at this time, and I think Paul knew that from different places. I think he knew that the Scripture was written, but he was talking about the, uh, the Old Testament, what they, what they had at the time, and, and so when people can, people can look at the Old Testament and say we're a New Testament Christian church, and that's fine, but you don't have the, all the Word. You don't have the whole Scripture unless you have the Old Testament. Uh, to go along with the new. Uh, the Old Testament concealed is the, the New Testament revealed, my pastor likes to say all the time. And so I like how Paul said in Ephesians, or no, he said in Acts 20 to the Ephesian elders, he, he told them he spent two years with them and he said, uh, teaching every single day, the school of Tyrannus, he, uh, he told them that it's time for me to go and move on to the next place, but uh, uh, 
he has not shunned to declare the whole counsel of God to you guys. He, he declared the whole counsel. He went verse by verse, I believe, all through the, uh, the scriptures that they had. I believe he exposited it. You know, exposited it. That's another word. For, it's just, you break that down to expose scripture for what it is and its truth. And uh, it says in the previous verse, actually two, three verses ago in ch- chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And uh, I like the NIV. It says uh, all scriptures God breathed. Literally, God breathed this out, and it's 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 part of Him. It's His Word. Um, Isaiah talks about it. Uh, I believe it's uh, verse chapter forty. I didn't write it down, but he, he talks about how you know the the grass will wither and the flower will fade, but the Word of God stands forever. And so on. this is the importance of the Word. God, Paul's emphasizing it, and the important not just of the Word being there on the page, but doing something with it, preaching it. And so uh, he uh, emphasizes, once again, the importance of getting the word out. And uh, I think of John the Baptist, and what did he do? He, he was a living definition of preaching the word. You know, he heralded the word. He proclaimed it like a king's coming. He's proclaiming, he's, he's telling the people, he's warning the king's coming. And uh, another good example is in uh, Nehemiah 8.8. 8. It talks about the, uh, the Israelites came back out of the land out of, uh, he came back into the land out of uh, Babylon. I had to think about it. And uh, as they did, it had been a long time since they'd been in the Word. And, uh, and so Nehemiah 8 talks about Ezra standing up on a, a podium. And so he could see everybody, and, and just as loud as he could, he, he preached the Word to them. He went through it, and he gave the sense, it says, to the Israelites who hadn't heard it in a long time. And so looking at this verse before we move on, we can uh, kind of summarize. Uh, kind of the manner Tim, Timothy, I think Paul, to summarize the way Paul uh, wanted him to teach the word, I, I think of uh, just a few things here. It says, to do it, in se- be ready in season and out, and out of season. Um, he does it urgently. He, he says uh, to be ready, you know, be on call, that idea of being on standby. Uh, there's a sense of urgency, Paul's saying. Uh, these are dark times, and they're getting darker, and so it's important to be ready, and don't be passive. Don't be hiding out, bunkering down on the couch, like I like to do, but uh, <laughs> um, so important to be to be ready to preach the word and in season and out of season. You know, do it consistently. Um, you know, this this means uh, to preach in opportune times and inopportune times to preach the word. That goes for us too. Don't worry. Don't don't uh, think it doesn't because although First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus, those are all uh, what we call pastoral epistles written to pastors. It's in the Bible. It's in the canon of Scripture, and so it's written to us. You know. It's, it's written to every one of us, and uh, it's clear from a lot of passages that we're to preach the word, whether we're called to the, the ministry, you know, we're called to a ministry. <laughs> it may not be necessarily in these four walls, but um, it is great. Preach it. If it's not, still preach it. So, And uh, the man of the Lord would have you. And so, so he says, says, do it urgently. Do it consistently, in season, out of season, you know. I think I was talking to Jesse before service, and I gotta say this: we're talking about deer season coming up, bow season coming up. And I think of, you know, it kind of applies. I could stretch it to say, you know, for, you know, it kind of applies. So we'll say. It. And I know you guys love deer hunting. I love deer hunting, but I'm not very good at it because in, I'm not prepared all the time. I wait till the day before to get my tag. Literally, Dave knows this. My dad's here; he could tell you. I, I wait till the day before. Uh, I, I won't scout my spot out because it looks like a good place, and and I just visualize in my mind how it's going to be. That's not preparing, you know. And so we've got to be prepared. We, we can, I can laugh and use that as an illustration, you know. 
I don't even set up game cameras. That would be easy to do, but I don't even do that. And so I'm really not prepared, and so that's why I don't kill a lot of deer. And, uh, but, you know, with the word, we've we got to be prepared. How much more important is that? That's our, the bread of life, you know. I love deer meat, but how much more should I, I love this and be prepared to, to give this out to people, not bashing them with it, but just as the Lord leads. Uh, he impresses, his spirit impresses uh, things in my heart to share. And so, <laughs> back to this, though, he, uh, like I said, what, you know, fads will rise and fall. Just keep preaching the word urgently, consistently, and thirdly, appropriately. He says uh, three different ways to do it appropriately here. Convince, rebuke, and exhort. Uh, to convince is just uh, to reprove, to prove with evidence using God's word, not, and, and not any man's opinions, but convince with truth, the truth of the word, uh, to correct somebody in error. He says that's part of your responsibility, Timothy, to, to, to do that. But in reality, all these things are going to be done, uh, I believe, by the Holy Spirit to those open hearts that are hearing it. And it's not like he's literally, ha- I mean, there might be times when he has to talk one-on-one, but really through the word is, is where this is going to happen. So um, so to come alongside in a spirit of meekness, um, that's part of his responsibility, hailing the word. Uh, to rebuke, that's stronger even than convince. That's uh, reprimand. Reprimand. That's to address sin. That's a strong word. That's uh, whether it's preached personally or in the message, it's, it's, uh, it's a strong uh, command to stop it because uh, the Lord would have you to stop it. Paul had to, in Galatians 2, he talked about how he had to uh, confront Peter. I mean, he really uh, rebuked him because he was, you guys remember, he was eating with the Jews. Peter was, you know, still getting used to this idea. I think he was enjoying it. Uh, uh, the Gentiles could be, he could hang out with the Gentiles. They couldn't do that before Christ. And so it was all right, you know. He, he was okay to do it at that time. And so... Um, but when the Jews came, the Judaizers were always following, following Paul around. Wherever he was at, they wanted to tear down whatever he was trying to build spiritually. And, and so they, they came in, all of them, and, and Paul, Peter saw, saw them. And next thing you know, he doesn't, he's not hanging out with the Gentiles anymore. He's hanging out with these, uh, these Jews. And, and Paul saw it for what it is, and he said, no, that's uh, not right. And so he rebuked Peter and uh, We've got uh, something else here. We've got to exhort. And so on the brighter side, uh, exhort is something that's vital for the church. And uh, anytime I've been exhorted, it's been a strong encouragement. It's something I've really needed. And uh, that's simply to urge people to go forward with something that God's already laid on their heart. You know, encourage them in their callings. Everybody's got a different, you know, it looks different in every life. Uh, Really to help them in their spiritual growth. You know, how are we going to grow if we're not getting encouraged? That's hard to do. And I know I need it. And so, and he's saying here, especially from the pastor, we should encourage each other. I believe we're called to do that. But especially from the pastor, he's saying, hey, Pastor Timothy, encourage your people. Don't forget to do that. So, but how do we do that? And it's this final point in this part here. It's uh, in verse 2. He says, to preach with all long suffering and teaching. And that's really just patience and instruction. Uh, Paul reminds Timothy that with his charge to preach the word, there's a balance in the midst of it. Ultimately, we're to, to be sensitive in, in preaching the word, God's word, and to be led by the Spirit. And uh, remember that the word involves teaching people how to live, and sometimes that doesn't always, it's not received well. And so to just to be sensitive with it. Don't shy away from it. I don't mean, but don't nag on them. <clears throat> you know, write a message and, and be 
essentially point at, at just certain people, but let, <clears throat> let the Holy Spirit point it out in their hearts. And so we have a scriptural basis. And so it's important to do all this. Uh, let's move on to verse 3. And this is why it, it's important to do this, because we're out of time almost. I mean, there's, time's running short, he believed here. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn around, in verse 4, they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Um, Paul's saying to Timothy that, you know, there's going to be a time where people aren't going to want to hear it. A lot of people are going to, yes, people are going to be getting saved still, but you're going to see a lot of, of uh, as time goes by, a lot of people are going to want to have things given to them in a, in a soft way, in a way that they would like to hear it. Uh, not solid Bible teaching, not sound doctrine, but they, they don't want to put up with it. Endure is another word for saying put up with. And uh, they, they can't endure it. They want to hear, people are going to want to hear. And we see it today very, very much so, um, solid Bible teaching. They think it's old-fashioned. People think it's outdated. And, uh, and the reason being, it doesn't bow, it doesn't change. You know, the word doesn't change. And they don't, people don't like that. Instead of getting a, a buffet, they want to settle for cotton candy. They want to have, they have their hard, hardened hearts just in a place where they, they're okay with that. They want somebody to cater to their, their faults and their, their needs. And so, you know, itching ears. People are itching to hear something that will make them feel better about themselves and not what it's going to ultimately fix the problem. And, uh, you know, this Bible, this is going to, God's going to work through this and he's going to fix issues if you let them. You know, it may not look like you're, you're wanting it to look, but... Uh, I don't think it's a reason to harden our hearts, but it's going to happen. We see it a lot, and I'm not going to call out people's uh, ministries for it, but uh, let the word do that. Kind of like I was going to use the illustration of mosquito bites <laughs> with itching ears. You know, they itch like crazy. Everybody's had mosquito bites, but what happens when you scratch them? They bleed. They take longer to heal. Uh, sometimes they scar and never heal, and so that's kind of with people. Sometimes they scar, they never heal, and I think it's all the more reason to uh, uh, to pray for these people. And, and to be there for them, and even if they, they won't hear the word, to not stop heralding it. Verse 4, and it's, it's, it's a sad, probably one of the sadder uh, verses here. It's kind of sad when a person rejects God's truth, they're open at that point to believing in anything. If you abandon the truth, yeah, it's up for grabs, anything. And, uh, and we see it all the time. It's, it's dangerous for that person, and it's dangerous for the people around them to reject the truth and to go after fairy tales, is what it says here, fables. And uh, God's word's proven. It's, it's true. It's not a fable. <laughs> but uh, that's what happens. And so uh, so important. And where are they going to hear it if they don't hear it from Christians? You know, where are they going to hear the truth at? They're not. And then, like I said a while ago, it's all the more reason to preach the word to to people. They're definitely not going to hear the fact that they've got a problem. The Bible points it out. I've heard one guy say that the Bible's an equal opportunity offender. It offends everybody. All of humanity is, it offends all of humanity. And because of sin, because of the fall, we, we have an inherited sin and we have that problem. Um, but it doesn't stop there. It says, the Bible says that we have a remedy and it's Jesus Christ and uh, so thankful that, that we have the Redeemer, the remedy, the, the Savior for our sin issue. And it doesn't stop there. The Bible points out uh, uh, how to live. We hit on it earlier. Uh, 
how to go about our daily uh, living, so day-to-day, uh, for an abundant life. Jesus didn't just come to save us, but to give us that abundant life. Verse 5 says, kind of a shift here, he says, But you, Timothy, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This but you, uh, he's, he said this before, and it's always, you know, this is going to this is gonna happen, people are going to act like this, but you, Timothy, you've, imitated me. I think of first, uh, first Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate, imitate Christ. He's imitated Paul like he's imitated Christ. He's, he's been discipled. But you, Timothy, don't, you're not like this. You're, I can imagine Timothy reading this epistle and how encouraged he must have been that Paul would, would care enough on his deathbed to, to write to him. I mean, can you imagine? <clears throat> to keep on encouraging him. And uh, it's actually really the, let's see, says it several times. This is the third time in the last few paragraphs that he's used this term, but you, he says it in 3.10 and 3.14, and it's just that contrast to what Timothy is, you know. And we're that contrast. We should be that contrast. If we're not, pray that, pray that we are, pray that you are a contrast to what the world is. <clears throat> he says, be watchful. The NIV translates this, keep your head, pay attention, uh, look around. You know, it's so easy to have tunnel vision. I'm very guilty of this. Uh, not see what's going on, but just focus so much on the, the fix and not the the, uh, the people that are involved and, and the things that are going on. Be watchful for it. Uh, you know, a lot of cases as a pastor, he he's going to have to cut some cut stuff off at the head. You know, address stuff. And uh, so pay attention, Timothy. He says, endure afflictions. Nobody likes to talk about afflictions and suffering, but the Bible talks about it more than just about anything. And he says here, they're inevitable. Paul's essentially saying, hey, just look at my life. His life was filled with afflictions. But it didn't stop him from fulfilling his ministry. And so he tells Timothy to fulfill, he tells him, fulfill your ministry, do the work of an evangelist. You know, We see a lot of evangelism today, and, and it was a little different back then. You know, uh, Nothing wrong with crusades at all, but... Uh, he would, Paul would stay somewhere as long as he could until either he got ran out or the, the Lord would just lead him out and, and he would preach the word to people and, and evangelize. He gave his life to the life, he gave his life to the ministry of preaching the word. And I'm thankful for that. He served God, he served people. That's how he fulfilled his ministry. Another way of saying it is to carry it, all the, carry it out all the way. Continue on, don't quit, don't get distracted. Uh, and God will use your efforts as he sees fit. I think that goes to all, for all of us. He, he's going to use our, our efforts. You know, we might think we failed an area, but, you know, you'd be surprised how, I've been surprised how God can use my efforts to do something much bigger than just myself, to do something that's uh, a part of the overall plan for the good. And so an, as an older teacher and preacher uh, to a younger one, Paul, he can testify that nothing's done in vain. It's done for the Lord to just keep going. I believe it's a principle, once again, for all of us, uh, whatever our ministry is, to keep going and that the Lord can use it for good. Verse 6. Verse 6 says, Paul starts talking about himself. He, he looked at the, uh, the ministry for, for Timothy and he tried to be encouraging and now he's going to talk about the 
the past in verse 6, the present in verse 7. Sorry, the present in verse 6, the, as I look at these. Uh, the present, the past, and the future, 6, 7, and 8. So he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and, at the, time, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only me, but to all those who, love, who have loved his appearing. Um, you guys have your Bibles. You want to turn to Philippians 121. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of page flipping today. I, but Philippians 121 is a, is a great verse, and I could just tell you, but if you... Uh, I, want, I want you to be uh, impressed here. Uh, on you guys' hearts by looking at it. I know I remember something when I, I read it longer than I do when I just hear it. And so, uh, Paul was already dead, essentially. He was dead to his own life. He died a long time ago. And back in Philippians 1.21, he says, For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Wrong emphasis. Uh, but for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me personally, I, I, I would love to say that. I don't think I'm they're not quite like Paul, but I, I want to say that someday. I, I hope we all can say that. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, Paul, he didn't compromise. He, he lived his life for someone other than himself, and it was Christ, all in his honor. And he knew that when he, when he died, he was already dead. It was, it was a gain, you know. He knew that as soon as he was dead, and, and right here he knows it's, it's coming, and that... Uh, he opens his eyes in this life, he's, or closes his eyes in this life, he's going to open them and see Jesus. And so he didn't consider it unreasonable to give his life to the service of God. And, and so it's right here he uses, you can flip back to 2 Timothy 4 here now. Verse 6, he says that he's already being poured out as a drink offering. This is an illustration of himself as a sacrifice. Um, and the drink offering, it, it's explained. I, we won't turn there, but Numbers 15, 1 through 16, they talk about uh, how that works. You know, you can bring in it's a burnt offering, sacrifice. Uh, I believe it's a lamb, a ram. Yeah, a lamb or a ram or a bull. And so, excuse me, but whatever you bring, and it's going to be burnt. And as it's burning, there's going to be grain thrown on it, and then there's going to be a glass of wine is going to be poured into that burning sacrifice and it's uh, really uh, symbolizing the idea of complete giving. How Paul was, Paul, and that's what Paul was talking about here, that pouring out his life completely for God. What a symbol. Just to pour out his life on the altar while the sacrifice is burning on it. And so, very vivid picture, I believe. He says, Departure. That departure, I looked this up in the Greek so I could sound intelligent. You may not think so still, but it says uh, the, for the Greek word for departure is uh, honolusis, and it's, uh, it's a word described uh, of the yoke coming off an animal, a farm animal, after the work is done. It's also used for, uh, it's a word used for loosening the bonds or chains of a prisoner. It's also used sometimes for taking down a tent, and how applicable that is for Paul here. Um, he yoked himself to, to this ministry. And, uh, and now he's being freed, he's being loosened. And 
and uh, it's also for a ship that's being released from the the dock and it's getting ready to go out to the the bay, you know, the, where it needs to go. And, and I think of Paul and how he's being loosed from all this life and he's being going into the bay of heaven here. And so he's, he's going to a place, he's departing from this life and going to a place where there's no more pain and suffering. That's all he's known for the past some odd 30 years. Um, he's uh, suffered for the cause of Christ and now he's getting ready to meet his, his maker, God face to face. He's going to be free in that place where there's no more like I said, tears or suffering and just everlasting joy. And I'm sure he longs for that at this point. And something that stands out before we go to the next last couple verses here, he, uh, we see Paul's confident. He does have an air of confidence here in this one thing that, that where Jesus is, there he will be. And, and he, so he says in verse 7, he talks about the past. He's fought the good fight, finished the race. He's kept the faith. There's no hint of bragging here. There's, he says he's fought the good fight. And First Timothy talks about good fights, what, you know, a little bit. He tells Timothy about it. We won't go there, but he, it's essentially focusing more on the, the fight and, and the goodness of that, that noble cause uh, that he's fighting for and not so much that he's a great fighter, you know. Uh, the, the fight is good is the emphasis for the sake of the Lord. He's uh, defended the church, he's guarded against truth, uh, guarded the truth against uh, false teachers and heretics and Judaizers and, and everyone who wanted to tear down the church, evil men. Um, and Christ has used Paul in a great way to, to fight for that good cause, and he was definitely willing. And he, he finished the race. He uses this uh, illustration of the Christian life for, uh, as a race in a lot of places in Scripture. Um, Another place, that I think it's the old King James that talks about, I've finished my course. And it makes me think of how we all have our own courses to run in life, our own individual races, not so much competing against each, competing against each other, but uh, more uh, against ourselves, our flesh, you know. They can drag us down and slow us down and be like a boat anchor in our uh, progression in, in Christ, in our walk, and so in our growth. Yeah. passage here in Hebrews. You, you can turn to Hebrews uh, 12. And I believe Paul probably wrote this. Nobody know, Nobody's really for sure. People thumb wrestle over it. But Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It made me think of that. It reminded me of that verse there, this passage, and how he's got a focal point. Yeah, we're to be watchful. We're to look around. Uh, we're to, to fulfill our ministry and do the, do the work. But we're to always have that uh, focal point, Jesus, you know. To lay aside every weight, every sin, so easily ensnares us to run the race uh, and go hard. Paul says uh, there's, a, there's a reason here, you know. He says, I've, I've kept the faith. Oh, and that faith, this is something that uh, I had never noticed before when I was studying. I hope I wrote it down and I won't remember it probably in this case. Um, 
that keeping the faith is uh, is more than just meets the eye. It's 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 uh, it's so much more. It's it's in, approved of being approved of God, being uh, uh, and really just doing the work. I guess essentially, it's really just doing the the work, letting Him do it through us. So. Paul says there's a reward for, our, uh, for all of our, our laboring for the Lord, and it's the crown of righteousness here in verse 8. Uh, it's interesting to me that this word for uh, a crown is stephanos in the Greek. It's uh, the same thing as, a, as a, like a, it's the victor's crown. It's a, like say they had the uh, they had Olympic Games, they had the Corinthian Games, there were the, uh, also the Isthmian Games, and, and that uh, the winner would wear a uh, laurel wreath, like an olive branches and leaves, and it was just, it's really that word, and it's uh, it's not really the kingly crown, the diadema. It's the stephanos. And so uh, it makes me think that uh, you guys remember back in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, the first martyr of the church, that's the same word, you know, stephanos, we get Stephen from. And uh, back in Acts 7, Stephen, uh, Paul had consented to his death. Paul supervised Stephen's death. He was the first martyr for Christ. And... Uh, that death by stoning. And I wonder if Paul looks back on this, maybe that's why he used, I mean, we can't read his mind, but maybe that's why he used this term here, threw this out there, because he could have said a lot about uh, dying and going to heaven and seeing the Lord. But he says, Lord, I'm going to get a crown of righteousness. I'm going to get a Stephanos. And and, uh, this whole connection with with how God used Stephen to bring Paul in the kingdom and, and how really you can see through uh, Paul's writings he really owes a lot to Stephen I think he's he kind of it's kind of inferred he really he uh, he was he was uh, impressed upon his heart the, the way Stephen uh, laid no charge against him the way uh, Stephen as he was dying the way he you know father forgive him you know essentially and uh, the way he handled himself So finally, we have uh, with this crown of righteousness that's before him. It's it's before us if we love His appearing. It says, if we look forward to Christ coming like nothing else in life, if we uh, fight the good fight of faith, and we 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 just we say, Maranatha, Lord, come today. Well, I'm okay with it. If we're okay with Him coming right now, I think we should be. And if we are, then that's for us. We're going to get a crown of righteousness, and uh, judging from Revelation, we're probably going to cast him at his feet, and so, who knows, because he's truly righteous, you know, but it's, you know, we're only positionally righteous right now, you know, we're righteous in his eyes, but practically, we're going to know no sin in heaven, that's what heaven's going to be, heaven for me, because I'm, I'm not going to suffer with, with dealing, battling with the flesh, I'm not going to have to battle against the world, I'm not going to have to battle against Satan, all that's going to be gone away, and we're going to be able to, to live in righteousness with the, the king of righteousness, and so, I guess for really a conclusion, really the application is how can we live our lives to say we can finish well at the end of it? How can we live now to where we can finish well like Paul did? And so something to pray about. You know, I don't have all the answers, but the Bible does, and the Lord can can highlight those things. And uh, we want to finish well for him. So let's pray. Lord, Help us to receive that same charge, God, that um, you told uh, through Paul 
to Timothy that uh, to preach the word. Help us to do that, Lord, and with the confidence that only you can supply. Uh, pour out your spirit on us. Bless us in what we're doing. Lord, we uh, pray that your Holy Spirit would make application in our hearts and that we would come away from here today uh, just exhilarated, Lord, and exhorted <laughs> that uh, we can be encouraged to do do your work in what lane we have been given to run in, Lord. Help us not to, to step out of our lane into somebody else's and trip them up, Lord, but to, to help them, Lord, and to, uh, to grab the baton if it's a relay race, Lord, if we're we're being discipled, or if we're discipling somebody else at the end of our life, Lord, pass the baton off, and uh, to go hard for you, Lord. I used to run track. I think of how you, <laughs> you, uh, we give. We're supposed to give it all we have, Lord, for on the racetrack. How much more on the racetrack spiritually? We should we give it all, every bit, to be poured out as a living sacrifice uh, unto you. Thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.